Welcome back to the Two Dudes, Three Legs podcast with your hosts, Zach Dingy. Tony Capaletti. Today, we're sitting with Mark Tassoni. He's an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, author, and real estate investor uh, out of Springfield, Massachusetts. So not that common you get real estate investors in Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> we All got right. the one. That's right. We got the we one. The one. Now, I'm told that Mark has an interesting story. Uh, we met yesterday during lunch at the Volt Conference, which we're still here, we're sitting outside. We sort of hijacked this little studio right here. Nice. Um, but we wanna hear your story, man. Give it to us. Well, it starts in Springfield, Mass. I don't live there right now. I live in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Okay. But uh, from Springfield, Mass, where the Basketball Hall of Fame is, just to give, yeah. a, give a reference point. And, um, you know, raised by, uh, you know, with immigrant Italian roots. Uh, both parents are from this country but uh, you know, grandparents. And so raised around the immigrant Italian you know, mindset, hard work ethic, started working at uh, 12 years old in my uncle's store. They, they started this uh, you know, butcher shop when they came here from Italy. Uh-huh. So I worked here with him. Because you had to pay rent. Yeah, at, at 13, right? <laughs> exactly. That's so I, uh, I just started when I was working with him, I'm watching how hard these people work and I'm thinking there's gotta be a better way, there's gotta be a better way. Really at that young age, and um, just had an entrepreneurial heart, entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, when I was a kid, I was you know, stealing things. I was going down the wrong way. But you know, brilliant business tactic, zero product cost, steal yes. some things. Easy way to acquire it. inventory. Candy, bicycles. See it like that. That's it, the five-finger <laughs> oh, discount. Yeah, candy, bicycles, whatever. About 15, my uncle throws me in jail for a day. And that was the end of my criminal career. Wow. So, yeah, from there, I just kept thinking, I got to make money, got to make money. Ended up going to college, playing hockey in college outside of Boston. Oh, wow. And, um, so another athlete. Yeah. We yeah, keep running co- into athletes. Hockey player. Division one college? No, not division one. We, I played at uh, Worcester State. So okay, we yeah, played yeah. division two and division three, yep. which is now uh, Worcester State College. Yep. So it's about 40 miles out of Boston. But uh, did that for a year. I was sitting in class and um, trying to figure out how I'm gonna make more money than these professors. Yeah. Like, didn't go to, didn't go to class uh, often, played a lot of ping pong, drank, got in fights, went to frat parties. Um, the girls followed the hockey team around, that type of thing. When all was said and done, I had a one point grade point average. So my father being brought up on the streets of Springfield, and they're tough streets over there, south end of Springfield, he went on to get his PhD. So he was very into formal education. Because you know when the Italians came here, they were discriminated against. As you know, a lot of people don't know that in the Irish. Yeah. But uh, you know they really wanted to master the English language. So my father was college, college, college. Um, I didn't have I didn't have the same love for formal education, but I loved education. Right. So I drop out at uh, 19 years old with a 1.8 grade point average. Uh, this girl I knew, her boyfriend was selling cars. He recruited me to sell cars over that summer. And I told my father, I'm never going back to college. And that, what did your father do for work? My, my father had his PhD in psychology. Wow. And he ran a Department of Youth Services. Got it. So he, he literally ran a detention center. Got it. So I, I had a lot of deterrent to be away from going to jail because I, not only did I see it with him, but then I got thrown in a cell for a day, and that was enough for me. But um, I uh, started to uh, sell cars. Immediately, I was struggling. You know, 19 years old, 20 years old. Uh, when, when, I, when I was being raised, you didn't, you didn't, um, you didn't uh, confront adults. So everything was about respect. So I had a hard time you know, dealing with older people. I was only 20, I was barely shaving. People would be coming in and it, it, I was intimidated. 
yeah. insecure and intimidated. So I didn't have a lot of life skill. But uh, what I did have was that love of learning I got from my father and I immediately started studying. Went to the bookstore, uh, was walking through the bookstore in Westfield, Massachusetts and off the shelf, this book by Anthony Robbins pops off the shelf and it's called uh, Unlimited Power. I took that book home and I read it and I, I had like just an awakening. I knew I could become wealthy, didn't know how I was gonna do it. Started studying Tom Hopkins. He was a sales trainer way back in the day. Greatest. Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, oh, wow. you know, Tony Robbins. I just got obsessed with studying. And at the time we didn't have coaching. So we would just, you know, the, the, the books were my mentors. The Closers by Ben Gay, yep. which I now just co-authored with, which is a whole nother story. But, you can uh, plug it. What's the name we of that asked book? For, hold up, we asked for his business card yesterday. He pulls out he his gave book. Me a book. He gives him the book. Love it. That's my business card. <laughs> Love it. Um, it's ironic that that car dealership was the last time I ever had a, a business card. I handed a guy a business card. It was like on a Saturday or something. I remember he walked out the door and he ripped it up. Oh, man. And I'm like, I'm never having a business card again. Now, I didn't know back then that I would use my books as business cards. Yeah. But a few years later, I wrote my first book, Sell Like Crazy Without Going Insane. And that was my first business oh, that's card. A wow, good title. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yep. So the books became the business cards. But, uh, you know, just started studying, went through a five-year struggle, really, really hard struggle. Um, you know, being brought up, I wasn't brought up in the neighborhood. My father got us out, but we were on the fringe. So all the kids I played sports with, all the kids I went to school with, these kids, you know, their parents were either being, you know, raided by the FBI, and we were around this, this organized crime element. So I was partially criminally minded, but I also had my mother. I had two sides. My mother was a devout uh, Catholic, you know, rosary beads, very, very devout Italian woman. And uh, long story short, I had these two sides, but at about 24 years old, it was getting really hard in sales. And I literally was contemplating doing something illegal. And I had all the connections to be able to do it very easily. And uh, I was contemplating it and I was literally begging God, the universe, the, you know, Santa Claus, whoever that is out there. <laughs> I, I was begging for a mentor. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, my father was a, also an athlete, played football, uh, grew up next door to Nick Bonaconti, who was a Hall of Fame uh, football player, Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, my father was into arm wrestling. And one of his friends became a world champion who he trained with, uh, with uh, Budweiser, sponsored by Budweiser, where his kid brother um, I had met, I must have been about eight years old, he was about 13. My father reconnected us later. So here I am, 24 years old, struggling like crazy. My father reconnects me to Mike, his best friend's kid brother. Mike took the journey with his older brother when he was becoming a world champion arm wrestler. So Mike became a world-class thinker. So he was one guy that I got introduced to who was making six figures legitimately. He was on the right path, doing it in sales. And Mike saw me and just took me under his wing. So you met him at the right time. Perfect timing. So I would go into Mike's office and I would just be like, you know, what do I say when they want to think about it? Or how do I deal with shop around? Or I'd go into his office, I'd be all depressed. And, and he would just coach me. He would yeah. help me, coach me. So one day I walk in there and Mike's got this box, this little box. And I'm like, what the, what, what is this? And he goes, uh, you know, that's a barometric alarm system. And I'm like, I'm not sure what I, that is. I didn't even know what it was. He goes, I just sold three of them, and I'm going to start an alarm system company, mm. and I want you to be part of it. Oh, wow. And I was like, are you kidding me? For real? No thought on my part whatsoever. Let's go. I'm in. And you're Trust. 24 at this point. Trust 24 years old. Okay. Yep. 
and struggling like crazy, paycheck to paycheck, uh, mother-in-law bringing me groceries, got a little girl at home, just got married, just really, really the struggling. The previous five years you're doing car sales. Car sales, car sales yeah. Struggling. Struggling and struggling. Wow. Like, just not, not taking to it. Yeah. Mike takes me under his wing, and um, I started to show some progress. About six months in, Mike pulls me into the office, and he says, um, he says, dude, you're not pulling it off. And uh, so you either got to do one of two things, and I need to know by tomorrow. Mike had killer urgency. You either have to leave altogether, or you're going to take less money. So I go home, go downstairs. In Massachusetts, we had basements. Had a heavy bag and a karate bag. And I'm beating the shit out of both of these bags. <laughs> Pissed off at Mike. Cannot believe this. I put, I put what I thought was everything into this. Uh -huh. And Mike's ready to get me out or I got to take less money. And I got to let him know by tomorrow. Mm. I'm reflecting on my past. I'm going to bring you back and then I'll bring you forward. I'm in 10th grade. I make varsity hockey at a hockey power in Massachusetts. And I sat out for the first time in my life. I gave it everything I had that year. I was shooting 200, 300 pucks a day, jogging five miles. I could hit any corner of the net without even looking. I could just blindfolded hit, hit corners. Um, I was on my game, I was skipping on skates and I sat out the whole year. Great disappointment. The coach never gave me an explanation. He just sat me. So this was a big adversity. About a week left, I leave this school. This was a Catholic high school, which I didn't want to go to begin with. I go to the inner city school the next year, which is the competitor. This is the division one high school hockey competitor to the Catholic high school. Next year I start, lo and behold, we wind up in the Western Mass Championship with the very team that sat me out. Now wow. I'm starting, now I'm starting. And uh, so long story short, we end up winning that game five to four. I score one goal, get one assist. I skate by the net, I just looked at the coach. How did that feel? It was just like a great Ooh, you were sports on fire. moment. Yeah, that was in, the beginning of everything. In front of 4,000 people. Yeah. But what I want to tell you about the story is this. Uh, that next year as a junior, I used anger. Okay, so anger is a very good energy. A lot of people don't get angry. Anger can work. It's not a highly sustainable energy, but it works. In 10th grade, when he sat me out, I made a decision and I formed a belief, but I didn't realize I formed the belief until my mentor figured it out. And the belief that I formed when I sat out was if I give it everything I got, I'm gonna get let down. So fast forward to the alarm business, here I am not giving it everything I got. My mentor calls me out, challenges me, and I realized I wasn't giving it everything I got. So next day, I go in there, Rocky theme playing in my mind, <laughs> and now I'm gonna shove this up Mike's yep. rear. Remember uh, how Patrick talks about being motivated four different ways? Madness. Yes, madness. This is madness. I am yeah. motivated by madness to this day. I'm still motivated by madness. I didn't know that back then. I go in the next day, and this is what I'm thinking in my mind. I am gonna shove my success so far up your ass. Now, I love this guy. This guy saved my life, yeah. but I want to fight him at the same time, if you can imagine. I'm going to shove it so far up your ass, you're never going to know what hit you. From that, from that point forward, I was never the same. I made what I like to call a real decision. And one thing I'd like to say to your audience is, nobody fails unless you don't make a decision. When you make an all-in real decision, you will succeed at whatever you do. Right. Sometimes there's something from the past that we had a letdown 
or an upset that we're dragging with us. And that's what I was doing. And then when I finally realized that, I was able to let go of that and then give that alarm system everything, alarm system business everything I had. Within one year, I made six figures. The next year, I doubled it. I'm 26 years old now. And by the third year, we owned 3,000 alarm accounts outright on five-year contracts. Anybody who knows the alarm business, you'll be able to validate this. Five-year contracts, $25 a month, so it was 75,000 a month in recurring revenue, never mind the sales and the 100 employees we had. That made us millionaires. So let's unpack that now. You, you were part owner, so it was 50-50. Yep. What were you doing to get to that? You were sales leadership or you were sales. selling yourself? Yeah. Because you didn't, it was new. I hired, trained, motivated, sold. Okay. That's what I did. Mike was the leader, he was my mentor. Yep. Um, he was running the business and he had me out opening up offices and I would just master the sales game. He told me, um, prior to him wanting me out of the business, I was I was whining and I was telling him I, I just don't think I can pull this off. I don't, you know, I was I was all up in my head. And he he had said something to me back then. He said, "Listen, if you want to get out of this business, there's one way out." I said, "What is that?" And he said, "That's to become the best that I ever lived." And so I'm going back that next day with he's got me pissed off. The madness is going on. Become the best that I ever lived. And I just made a decision. I'm going to become the greatest alarm salesperson on planet Earth, and that, that's what I set my mind to. And um, So Mike saved you twice. Mike saved me. And there's an irony to the story because uh, uh, here it is in uh, 2022, and uh, Mike is uh, now joining my solar organization, which, <laughs> wow. is, which, is, which is amazing, and I love him dearly. He saved my life, and uh, he's 60 years old. He's one of the greatest uh, money earners you ever met. He's a sales genius. Uh, you guys want to interview him. When I say genius, I'm talking high level genius. But that's not enough to become financially independent. You need four things to become financially independent. Number one, you got to learn how to rewire your mind. That is first and foremost. Number two, you have to learn to eliminate sabotage. Most people don't even know it's a thing. It's a thing for all human beings and you got to know how to eliminate that sabotage pattern because we all have that. Self-sabotage. Self-sabotage, okay. yeah. Uh, if you break down the root word of sabotage, it is saboteur. And saboteur basically means, the root word means to slow down. So your brain is literally slowing you down because you're succeeding too quickly, it feels uncomfortable. Just like me, I'm 27, 28 years old, I got 3,000 alarm accounts, I do my first financial statement, bought my first three family, I didn't even know what a financial statement was. I look down, I'm a millionaire. My brain goes, oh man, wait a minute, this could be dangerous, yeah. right? So went into sabotage, which is another story, yep. I'll tell wow. you. So you, you gotta rewire your brain, you gotta, you gotta prevent sabotage, and this is what I coach people on. Number three, build a ridiculous skill set and strategy. And number four, you had better learn to invest. And I believe real estate is the only place to put it. That's just my own personal opinion. I, I've yet to find anything that matches it. A lot of uh, the young crowd is into crypto and they, they do different things and I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it, but I'm just telling you this. Uh, today I have created permanent wealth. I went from a struggling car salesman with a 1.8 grade point average dropping out of college to a to a very high net worth individual, all on a platform of 100% commission sales. But it was those four things that I mastered. Rewire my mind, eliminating sabotage, mastering a skill set and strategy, and mastering investing. You master those four things, that's how you go from sales, 
That's how you go from struggle to independence. So you bought your first piece of real estate at 27. First investment. First yeah. investment. Yep. And now how many apartments do you own? I own 209 units and one commercial building for 210 and my primary house would be 211. Got it. There you go. Yeah. And so you, you would say the easiest and most simple way for, I'm not, I don't want to say ordinary person because that's not at all what you are, but the easiest way for a human being to create wealth Get good in a skill set where you're making money, 1099, for example, yep. own a business, yep. whatever it's going to be. Take that money, put it into the vehicle, which you say is real estate. That's it. That's the yeah. blueprint. It's the one-two. Boom. Boom, boom. If you can learn that one-two punch, people get so diverted. They get so uh, loss of focus. And the reason this happens today is because we're watching social media. So you'll hear someone on social media say, you got to have multiple streams of income, which bullshit. is complete <laughs> bullshit if you're broke. If you're rich, it's very true, but if you're broke, it's very wrong. If you're broke, you don't need multiple streams of income, you need to master one form of income. Right. That is percent. the master skill to master making more money than your expenses by miles. That's the number one master skill. When you master that skill, making more money than your expenses by miles, now you have a problem. What am I gonna do with this money? Which means now you gotta learn the next step, which is investing. And so I, I wish I could sit here and tell you I'm some super hotshot. I'm not. I just made a few right moves. And I don't consider myself, um, you know, like super gifted entrepreneurially. I consider myself uh, incredibly diligent. I work, I study, I work, I study. Um, I build great relationships, I build great teams. This is what I do. I build teams, I build people, I develop people. So I don't, I don't see myself as like some kind of an MBA guy. And I know if I was able to do it from a car salesman who should have failed, should have failed. I had no skills other than, you know, maybe some team skills coming up playing hockey. And I guess being Italian, we learn how to sell, you know, <laughs> using our- Learn use, how to talk over people, tell yeah. people what the fuck your, your message is. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, you know, I could have failed a thousand times. I could have failed over and over again, but it was just making a few right moves along the way and watching the feedback I was getting in my life, the failures and responding to that, learning and growing from those quote unquote failures, which are really not failures at all. Those are experiences that happen on the way. They're not things that are put in the way. We think they're in the way, but they're not in the way. This is why you gotta rewire your mind and have a world-class mindset. Because when you have a world-class philosophy, world-class mindset, you will perceive things differently. Uh, one other thing I wanna share with you guys is, you, is to get on a mission. When you're on a mission, you will crawl through anything to get through that mission. When you're just living out of a vision, a vision is more for yourself. A Ferrari, a big house, you know, I wanna travel, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. Most stuff. people will do more for other people than they'll ever do for, for themselves. So I operate from a mission. Um, I'll share this with you. So, so Mike and I, we build this company and uh, we've got 3,000 alarm accounts. And back in the day, we were an AT&T security systems dealer. AT&T literally used to manufacture alarms. So this was, I'm really dating myself here, but we would cold call and we would call homeowners and say, hey, listen, we're promoting this new AT&T security system. So they would hear AT&T, they know AT&T. Right. And we'd be like, listen, we wanna come out and show it, show you how it works we would be telemarketing, show you how this works, and just to do so, we'll come out with a gift card to take off your long distance. So if you sit down to see the demo, wow. you get the gift card off your long distance. Setting who, appointments and Who closing. was running this for us? Mike Melio, 
You guys want to look up Mike Melio. He's a very close friend of mine. Him and me were mentored by this other gentleman named Mike. Mike Melio goes on, he, he, he walks on stage, he's on stage with Tony Robbins to this day. $50 million guy, you guys can Google him, he's amazing. He was our telemarketing manager. So we had Mike, Mike Mason, the leader, we had Mike Melio. Mike Melio was the telemarketing guy, greatest guy to telemarketing, and then you had me as the sales guy. And we built a big company. We built 100 employees. But the very next year, AT&T pulls out of this thing. And so now we don't know how to downsize. We're young. I'm in my 20s. Mike just is in his early 30s. We're not sophisticated. Mike's the visionary. We lose our vision. And we end up losing this company. And so I'm out in front of my house. And back in those days, so now I'm like 27, I'm in the, the best town in my neighborhood, right? All Jewish. The neighbors are coming over asking my wife, what's, what, what's your husband do for a living? Because they know we got a vowel on the end of my name, right? <laughs> so, so, so they're asking my wife what I, she's like, he sells alarms and he's really good at it, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm out there and back in those days, I would either smoke, drink, or do something stupid. So I'm out there smoking cigarettes and I'm asking, having a conversation with God, what happened? What the heck just happened? We had this meteoric rise. All my dreams were coming true and then Boom, the whole thing came crashing down and we lost 100 employees. I was the last guy to walk out of our office and there was a shipping dock full of the entire company in boxes. Phone bills, electric bills, customer files. And I carried those files out. It's the closest thing I, that I believe a man could ever describe to losing a baby as a woman loses a baby because that business was my baby and I lost it. And I'm sitting out there smoking, trying to figure out what happened. And it was in that time, I call that the dark night of the soul, right? I'm in this beautiful town. I'm in the dark night of the soul. And I wrote my first mission statement. It took me two weeks to write this mission statement. And at the end of the mission statement, essentially it was to inspire, educate, impact, and motivate. Up to that point, I was doing everything for myself. I wrote the mission, everything shifted. I moved right into service. So I dusted off my briefcase in that downtime, started selling alarms again to the guy who ended up buying us for pennies on the dollars. I ended up uh, selling with him for six months, getting stabilized, and then I restarted another company and took off even further. Wow. And for the next 20 years, it was just uh, making a lot of money. Restarted another alarm company? Yeah. Okay, yep. so you're still in alarms. Still in the alarm business, yep. but redid it. Mike went his way, I went my way. We remained friends all these years, but uh, we re redid, I redid everything, but now I was operating with a mission. So now I'm developing people, I'm serving at a high level. It's no longer just about me, it's about other people. And I've never been the same since that. So let me ask this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're, you talked about the vision and the mission and how the mission is more important. I think for a lot of people, especially myself being so young, it's hard to get a mission because you really, like you only made that mission because you got through so much pain and, it f and you failed yep. so much that it hurt. And you're like, all right, I need to get some, almost like a higher power of cause to go through. Right. Do you think you can have that mission if you're 20 and yeah. you don't, you know, you know what I mean? You can, but you gotta fabricate some things. You gotta, you gotta do some mind hacking, right? The biggest thing to creating a mission is to understand who are you obsessed with serving? Like, who do you want to help and what result do you want them to produce? So once you know that, so, so back in the day, we're, we're in this alarm business and I'm into it for a month. 
and there was a fire in Western Massachusetts. It took the life of a uh, little three-year-old and a little two-year-old. This is a month after I'm in the business, right? And the father was home with the kids. Mom was a, a third shift nurse. So she kissed everybody goodbye that night. She left. Little did she realize in the middle of the night, house catches on fire. Fire department gets there. They revive dad on the sidewalk. Dad wakes up and his little babies are gone. And later mom realizes, right? Ugh, God bless. Months later, their nephew comes and works for our company. So I get the inside track on this whole fire and, and how this devastated these people. That put me on a crusade in the alarm business. I was no longer in the alarm business. Yep. I was now on a crusade. So, so what I would say to people is, a lot of times when we're younger, we have needs. So if we're in that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're in the lower section of that. And we're trying to fill, you know, fulfill our needs. We got rent, we got bills, we got this, we got that, which is fine. There's no, no problem with that. But if you can really um, do some soul searching on who you want to serve and who you want to help, your life will change. So for me, fast forward in those days, I'm on this crusade in the alarm business to sell alarms. And we went on to sell thousands of alarms. Mike puts me in front of a group of salespeople, 45 salespeople, which are our salespeople. He finally, two years into this, says, take the stage. I'd never spoken in front of a group before. And I can only tell you when I spoke in front of that, uh, that group that day, something again shifted. I now realized I had another purpose. I absolutely loved helping salespeople so they didn't have to struggle and go through what I went through. Yep. And in that moment that was born, I've never been the same since. So it was soon thereafter that I had a mission. I now knew I had two loves. I loved selling alarms and I loved serving salespeople, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? They're the bravest people on the planet. They're the most courageous people on the planet. We get up every day. Nobody's writing our paycheck, we create it. So I gotta stop you right there because it's so <laughs> funny you say that. As, I forget what part of the Volt Conference it was in, but they're talking about basically bigger purpose, who do you want to be? Maybe it was a personal identity audit and they were going through it real quick. And almost exactly that same, I wrote down like why I want to do this solar and why I want to create this solar industry and why I want to do uh, grow my sales team, everything. And it's like to someone losing their three-year-old, three two-year-old kid, you know, it's not that extreme, but it's like the inflation that we're experiencing and all these people that are getting squeezed, the middle class getting squeezed, people losing their jobs and the recession that's gonna happen, it's like, for solar now, it's like, we need to do this because we need to protect people with their cost of electricity and, and we need to look at the bigger picture of like, like I truly, when I go into somebody's house, I think if they don't buy solar, I did them the biggest disservice in the world. Right. Like, they are going to be screwed over by the utility company and that's the thing, like, you have no idea what's gonna happen. The utility, the grid, the stuff like that. If they don't buy solar, the grid can shut down people. It can ruin people's lives, you know? There's so yep. much of this bigger, it's not just, oh, they're saving 30 bucks a month. See, that's you know? what I call, I call, I, I have three missions. I have a process I teach. I call it the Tassoni M3 mission process. So there's three kind of missions. Number one, you got a mission for your family. Number two, you have an ultimate mission. That's for your soul and your heart. Yep. And number three, you have a mission where you are right now. So that's what I call a now mission. Yep. Your now mission. Who do I want to serve now? What result do I want to produce? Well, how do they benefit from that? When you get clear on that mission, it is so important because I'm going to share something with you. When, when you are coming from need, should, 
I need to, should have. That type of consciousness, you're coming from the smaller brain, the little the reptilian brain. brain, the yeah. lizard brain, the amygdala, right? When you start even writing a mission out, you're moving into the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is where all the action is. This is where your superpower is. This is where your highest self is. This is where the highest version of you is when you're operating from that higher self. So salespeople, your challenge, entrepreneurs, your biggest challenge is to be able to transcend your own needs when you are in need and move into service. That is the challenge. Wow. You, this like is that. super high level stuff, man. Yeah. This is super high level stuff. So let me ask you this question. Because you've done it all, you're at this level that it's like, the stuff you're saying is so, it's amazing. But someone who's like a young guy starting out in the beginning or, or someone who's just a sales rep at the alarm company, what what's the starter for them? You think start with the vision. What do you like, use that anger, use those emotions. You want the Ferrari. Start with trying to get the Ferrari and then keep working up the ladder, you think right away you start with the mission? The, the I mission. mean, it's, it's such a great question because I, I literally have kids your age, right? So my daughter, she graduated from Rollins College, which is like a little ivory league outside of Orlando. She took international business. Yeah. She goes to China. She's fluent in uh, Mandarin. She, she, she's sharp. She's real sharp. She, she buys a business in China and she's working this business with Chinese people. Like they all work for her. She sells it, and three months later, COVID hits. She comes back here. She doesn't know what she's going to do, and she says, Dad, what should I do? So essentially, it's a similar question to what you're asking. And I said, listen, your number one skill to learn, number, to me, number one, is to learn how to make money and to master making money. So I then said to her, what do you love to do? What do you want? What result do you want to produce? How would you like to serve? How would you like to make a difference? What result do you want to produce for people? Like with us, we're in solar now, right? So we love killing that power bill. We're producing a result, right? So we're passionate about that. For me, my greater passion is building the company, yeah. is building people, developing leaders, right? But at the end of the day, I know I'm in a, I'm in a very hot market in solar. So you got to find a problem that you love to solve. And then my, my point of view on it is this, when I was flat broke, Nothing motivated me more than cars. Okay, so too, <laughs> I was raised I was raised around gangsters and wise guys and they had money and they had cars. My uncle Pete let me use his Cadillac for my senior prom, right? <laughs> big big Fleetwood Cadillac. I Cadillac for 20 years. <laughs> so, you know, cars really motivated me in the early days. So what I would say to anybody, listen, if that's what motivates you, go for it. But at the end of the day, understand something. You're gonna come to a place in time where you have to learn to invest. Yeah. It's that simple. And cars, typically for most people, are not an investment. For most people. They can be, but for most people. My very, friend, very rarely. And they're not say. great investments compared to what you can spend right. that money on. You know, I, I have friends who, who have Ferraris. Uh, I don't own a Ferrari at this time. I have one friend who owns two of them, and he's made great money on both Ferraris. I have another friend who sells and buys exotic cars. But if you just want a car to, hey, look at me, I can fly, and that's a phase you need to go through, go through it. I've yeah. had Jaguars, Porsches, I've had Mercedes, BMWs, all this stuff in my 20s. Today, I drove to this event in a Honda Accord. So that's a big point. Hold up, we gotta pause right there because that was huge, Yeah. what he just said. I don't want that to go over. You guys it's saw like, how incognito I am at this event. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You have to, yeah, you, you have an executive ticket. He did, like, it's crazy. But you have to go through that. Listen, if you want the Lamborghini, like, don't listen to someone, you know, like, Patrick David says on stage, or, or no, actually, 
I forget who said it. It wasn't Patrick Bedivon. It was someone I was talking to, I think. But like, they're like, oh, don't buy the Ferrari. But sometimes that's the goal you want to get to. Like, go for you're it. 22. Right. You're like, dude, I just want a fucking Ferrari. Go get the Ferrari. Then you're gonna say, okay, it's probably a waste of money, for time. Then you go to their next level. But you don't need to. It's hard for a young kid to be like, oh, I have to help people. Like that's my mission right now. No, sometimes it's just you just want the Ferrari, and that's what you're gonna work hardest for, you know. And the thing is, this is why going to get the Ferrari is so important. If that's what you want, maybe yeah. it's a Ferrari, maybe it's a gym body. Yep. You know, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a condo. Whatever that is, you're learning how to get goals. Yeah. So Building that muscle. Yeah, you're building goal-setting, goal-getting muscle. Yeah. And that's very important. And I learned how to do that when I was younger because cars is what motivated me. When I was uh, going into that alarm business, I was driving a 1981 sky blue Toyota Corolla. Best color ever. With no <laughs> air conditioning. This is something you would see in some Toyota club today, right? That yeah. these guys meet at the 7-Eleven and everybody's got an old Toyota. <laughs> that car killed myself esteem so bad and at the time I wanted a Lexus so you guys might might or might not remember this this is going back this was 1994 there's this SC 400 Lexus it's the two-door version of the LS 400 Lexus okay and I just thought this thing was amazing and they had one in there all rimmed up and everything I went to that dealership every day for six months just to put my eyes on it every day <laughs> they won't talk to me they won't wait on me they wouldn't look at me. I go back, I drive through, just to put my eyes on that car every day, touching the dream. And so I would touch the dream every day with that car. That car taught me that goal-getting thing, how to put my focus on one thing and how to actualize it, turn it into material reality. Yours, yeah. so, so I would say to people, listen, if you want cars, if you want those things, go for it. If you can integrate the mission, if you can integrate serving into that, that that's even better. Huge, yeah. But sometimes you're, you're right, uh, Zach, you gotta go through your own life experiences, you get beat up a little, and it is from our pain that we create our value system. So our values are created out of our pain and our voids in our childhood. So you learn to value things that you didn't have when you were a kid, or you get on a mission based on a wrong that you wanna make right. So I would just say to, to, to young people, go there, go for it, but your goal should be to make a lot of money. That's gotta be the number, that, to me, that's very important. Huge. Yep. What, what was the first car you got that you were proud of? The Lexus. It was, so you yeah. ended up getting that. Yep, yep. And then from there, it was, you know, every Mercedes, AMGs, you know. <laughs> to this day, I, I keep a, uh, a 911 cab in my, in my garage. Lovely. I don't even drive it that much, but, Lovely. you know, so I and drive. Now, you live in, what did you say, Sarasota? Sarasota. Sarasota, Yeah, Lakewood Florida. Ranch. Yep. How come you picked that area? What do you like so much about that Well, area? we were living in uh, North Carolina. Okay. And um, I bought this solar company in Florida five years ago. And uh, we had five employees when we started. The thing took off. Next thing you know, we got 100 employees. So I told my wife, listen, we got to get down there. The, Florida, the, the, the uh, office was in Tampa. We ended up buying a building in Clearwater. And I, I just told her we got to get to Florida. So I knew my wife didn't want to come to Florida. So I'm thinking, where could I get her to in Florida? Sarasota is one of the highest end areas. <laughs> Beautiful area. And I, yeah. I was Very like, tactical. she saw it and she was like, oh, wow, I really like it here. So out strategize, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta yeah. win. You gotta yeah. win the white over. You gotta win she would have stayed one. in the Carolinas. She absolutely loves the Carolinas. We're we're gonna wind up buying a second home in the Carolinas and oh, nice. going from Florida to Carolinas to Massachusetts and back. Those pit stops all so along the way. Now yeah. you got the whole East Coast. I, I always like that you say, and you said this a couple times even when we met you yesterday, you did the one two. Yeah, one two. So boom, boom. 
I feel like it's, you know, acquiring your money yep. and then leveraging it. Investing. So yep. it seems like to me your acquisition of money is now solar. Yes. That's and, the golden goose. And your leverage. That, lay, that lays eggs. Your yep. leverage is your properties. Yes. 100%. So you got to always have a golden goose. And this is, this is the thing that people, people you know, they, they go wrong on this. The way you get a golden goose, it's all how you use your focus. You got to focus on one thing and become the best at that. When you become the best at that one skill set, that one strategy, all of a sudden the golden goose starts laying eggs. And if you have a golden goose laying eggs, take care of the golden goose until, you know, until the wolf comes until by that and goose beats up the yeah. whole, the, the whole <laughs> so goose. So speaking egg. of which, while we're talking about the golden egg, golden goose, you only invest in real estate in Springfield, Massachusetts. Currently only in Mass. Uh, I'll go beyond Mass. Yep. I just haven't found the deals that I like outside of there at this point. But that's mm. a great point to exactly what you're saying. Even though you made the money in solar, you say, you know, once you get that, then you start using it to invest in other things, but you're still niched out in that investment. You know your market, you that's know your it. area, you simplify it and I'm you buy a, what you buy. Even speaking of niches, I'm a multifamily real estate investor. That's, that's what it. I do, multifamily. That's I it. don't want to hear about, um, you know, uh, commercial properties. Like I own a building only because my company lives in it. But other than that, I don't want. I don't yeah. want to deal with it. Yeah. I buy apartments. I know how to rehab them, yep. and uh, I know what we're doing. So you own what kind of apartment? So four units and above. I, I started the first one I bought was a three family, okay. and uh, you guys are from New York, so you would you would know the the the, they all look the, the architecture. Yep. Yeah. That three family, uh, I was pretty much raised in by both grandparents, right? My grandmother used to tell me, don't go near the back stairs. She used to tell me there was like a, a, a boogeyman back there. And really, the stairs are just really steep. She didn't want us <laughs> falling down there. So that was the first- I know those houses. Yeah. Yep, I know. And so, so I bought a three family, then I bought the one next door, then I bought the one behind it. Um, Wait, so this, you bought the three family you lived in? No, 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 not, oh. the one I, not the one I lived in. Oh, okay, okay. But, but this is back when, when I started investing yeah, yeah, again. Okay. And then from there, um, and I have a partner as well. He, uh, we went to a 10 unit, and then we went to a, we went from a 10 to a 48. Wow. Then we Huge bought show. another 48. Wow, we got a 28. Job. So and now you're going for bigger properties, who's 16 your, and above? No, we're, we, I, I just bought a 12, bought okay. a 12 unit in Westfield, Massachusetts, beautiful property. Yeah. So just um, multifamily, it could be really any size, numbers just gotta work. Yeah, and, and we like a certain style, you know, of, of house. I like duplexes, um, and we also like garden style apartments. Like, um, you know, maybe C, C level areas, C to a B, okay. and then we go in there and rehab it, and it's 100% occupied like that. And we do, a, we rehab. Talk about adding value, we add value. We totally recreate the property. So selfish question for me here, because he owns a, uh, some real estate. And that it, it's, it's just sort of the ascension. You know, when you start investing, it's like anything. It's, you start small and you build. You start, you build your belief system. And so that's where we're at now. So we're at this point now. Um, where I just bought um, 19 duplexes on two streets. We bought both wow. streets. Unbelievable <laughs> property. The guy didn't want to manage it. And um, this property, the average rent is 700 bucks a house. Crazy. Uh, 700 aside, yeah. repositioned. They have garages, duplexes with garages, which are very rare. Huge. This guy built it in the uh, 80s. 
and uh, reposition this property will be 1,750 month, 1,750 a door. What that does to the NOI is insane. That's yeah. millions of dollars. Like just that one deal. So one one deal, one right deal can change your life. But I, I think to answer your question, it's it's crawl, walk, run, fly. Crawl, walk, run, fly. People today, because social media and instant gratification, it creates a a brain virus. It, it creates a virus that says, I want everything now. And I'm telling you, I'm a believer in urgency. You got to have urgency. But if you do not have patience, you will not get wealthy. You need patience to grow wealthy. We got a lot of gold. First of all, your four keys to yep. being successful. Yeah, say that again. Let's do that one more uh, time. Rewire. You gotta rewire your mind, rewire the way you think. Number two, eliminate sabotage. Number three, build a ridiculous skill set and strategy. And number four, become an investor. So we got that. We got the one, two. Yep, one, two, make money, invest in real estate. We got the, the a vision is for you, a vision is for me, a mission, mission is, is for, for we. we. Yep. And then I really like how if you go to work for someone else, your own needs, your own needs will be met, but you gotta trust it. And I think that might be a different way that I'm saying it, but that's what I got out of what you said. You know, you gotta go out and work to serve other people and then your needs will be met. They will, they absolutely will. That's a big message. Yeah, it gets into, you know, faith. And um, one, of, one of the problems, if we can just say this and wrap it up, is that people have, I, I'm a believer in a higher power. I, I was raised uh, Catholic. I left going to Catholic church at 12 years old. I never went back to Catholic church again, nothing against them. Mm -hmm. But I went on and studied and, and I am a true believer in a higher power, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And I rely on that higher power. Yeah. And so I call that the source. These other things are channels. When you put your faith in the source, the channels show up. Wow. And so my, my faith stays in the source. Uh, you do not need more money. You need more people. You need more relationships. Yeah. Money will come from people in relationships and relationships work better when you have your faith and when you have your focus on the source, understanding that the people are channels to be served, to be stewarded, to be taken care of, you come at it from a whole different approach. So it's not so much a we or, or a me-centered approach. It's more of a we-centered approach. Wow. Yeah. Mark, do you have anywhere people can find you? Are yeah, you on social marktasoni.com. Okay. If you ever want to coach with me, uh, give me two years. I'll change your life forever. Marktasoni.com. You can uh, book as, uh a call with me right on there. There's a schedule on there. Where can we get your book? Uh, my book's Amazon. Books. Just yeah. uh, go to Mark Tassoni Books on Amazon and sell like crazy without going insane. The No Close Close, Six Figure Comm uh, Commission Sales Secrets. Uh, book number five with Ben Gay, I just co-wrote. Four with books. I, I got nine books, actually. Oh, yeah. smokes. <laughs> well, Mark, listen, thank you so much for coming Seriously. on. Seriously, yeah. a lot of great to meet you at the you boat, man. Yep. Awesome, awesome talk with you, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. See ya. Thank you.